Welcome to Story Arc. This is a podcast where I develop story arcs with the help of guests and you, the audience, in the Fey Realms universe. I'm Trevor Sutton. Let's create. And we're live. Season 2, Raven Queen, Episode 9. We have discovered that the Fae Battalion is alive and well on an island off the coast. Um, we also have discovered... Let's see here. Uh, I am... I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. Uh, we've got an assassin chasing after Hoyler's group. Um, the... Uh, 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 Althea, the uh, healer, has now got a brand new pair of, or possibly, a uh, bracer or bracers or a ring or some kind of accessory to where she can cut herself and bleed on whoever's injured to heal them. That's, yeah, we've got an interesting healer. Uh, we've also got, uh, I don't know if you heard about Trippy the frog. So, Hoyler, Vernon, the uh, animal speaker, and Althea, our only healer, got... Uh, cut off from the main Unbound group and caught up by a bunch of frogs, put through a coliseum where Hoyler fought him off because Vernon was put in uh, under by a uh, uh, basically a dose of, of uh, poison or psychedelic drugs. So Althea's trying to heal him. Uh, Hoyler's fighting in the coliseum and they find a Trippy the frog, which is a female frog that has like a tree frog with the poison on her skin. Well, she kind of her and Althea kind of hit it off, and she gives her, uh, like, a ring or something to cut herself so she can handle and do her, her abilities better. Okay. So it's a pretty interesting little thing there. Uh, towards the end, a giant stompy, like, uh, 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 ran a rancor type of frog comes out. Um, and uh, But Vernon wakes up, makes really good friends with them, and rancor frog helps them escape. We're going to call him stompy from now. Now they're heading off towards the shadow summit, those five, Vernon... Uh, Vernon, Hoyler, Althea, Trippy, and Stompy. They are being tailed by Jailbone, the new guy. Um, and he is off to make friends with the Unbound, ingratiate himself, and, and since Tatiana, you know, invited him, the thing should already be kind of headed in that direction. And then he's going to try and assassinate um, Tatiana uh, for Oberon. Um, and then, uh, and I think that's, I think that catches us up, uh, and, and you know about the, uh, yeah, and, uh, and our guest today, we have returning guest. All right, my name is Brady Barassa, freelance writer, author, and editor for the Fay Realms team. Very happy to be back. Glad to have you back, man. And we got exciting times. We, in fact, we're throwing you right in your element. Troop movements, massive amounts of troops. So, let's delve right into it. I'd, li I'd like to start off, uh, the... The Fey army, uh, with all of these different cultures and troops and animal kingdoms, etc., it, it really reminds me of the Crusades in medieval Europe, where you would have English and French and Dutch and Polish and all these different knights and cultures and groups together um, marching towards one goal, which was to take over a holy land or whatever their goal was. So um, – and I, I think there's just a lot of potential for good storytelling as the army is marching. Yeah. Because in the Crusades, uh, you had different leaders, you had different people speaking different languages. You There were even reports of several different currencies in the same army moving about. So I definitely think you can maybe take this marching time to 
delve into a bit more of characters and culture for the armies. Yeah, and definitely like interactions between those two things, like you were saying. And I think the interactions between uh, the Unbound and the Fae are going to be really interesting. Um, Sawrog's going to be the the dragon, and she's going to be mountain sized I don't even know how we're gonna we're gonna do that one, but she's going to be, you know, pacing along with them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then whatever other uh, army military groups we may pick pick up along the way, uh, I think the, the, there's some really interesting uh, things. Uh, one of the characters we've been discussing is an architect um, who can basically make a voodoo building. He'll build a small cool. uh, building, uh, make a model of it, right, and sit there and concentrate. Mm -hmm. And while he's uh, doing this thing, a structure, the same structure, will build up around him. So as long oh, as he's awesome. And it'll repair itself as long as he's sitting there concentrating on it. You get it? But if someone comes in and messes with the building, it falls apart. So we're calling him the voodoo architect. Um, and as far as like uh, uh, what can happen with our troops, he can make a longhouse or something for all the troops to rest in. And then it can collapse afterwards and, and not have to have anybody build it or anything. So I think that would be some neat... Uh, kind of work stuff in there so all right now one of the things that i like to do because uh, in my in my own novels i often have various armies uh, moving about land and territory i think uh, there are basically three three ways that uh, you could approach approach uh, having your troops move uh, number one is just the simple time skip where you have oh the armies marched until the sun was high in the sky and they saw their destination yeah you can have that uh, or the two two more exciting versions. Yes. Or you can focus on characterization, or just uh, the some some of the other subplots. Like for example, in my own works, I have like the army marching, and I go, "All right, here's my main character. What is he doing? Who is he talking to? Um, are there any subplots? Like for me in my novel, there was a romance subplot, and that walk gave time for my main hero and the main female lead to get together." have romantic talk and really just get to know one another. We had various armies uh, come to blows over different um, ideologies or strategies. We had a lot of intense debates between the army groups, basically saying one said, hey, we need to go here and attack this castle. A second said, we need to go and draw the enemy into a trap and we need to take the time to set up a trap. A third, a third said, hey, we just need to sit here and let the enemy come to us. So I think uh, with, with armies moving, there's just a lot of different subplots. And you were discussing uh, the various subplots that were happening and potentially could happen with the rest of uh, the story. Um, I absolutely love that because um, we definitely have um, uh, Aurora. She is off doing this. So while the troops are marching, she's going to be wandering and getting caught up with the squirrels. And, sh and towards the end, um, she's going to kind of make a roundabout way, but she's going to want to kind of get her revenge. She's going to come in at the last part during the battle um, and charge the, uh, the 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 mental whatever vampire dude and kill him and right in the middle of battle. Everybody's going to go, oh, uh, uh, Aurora brought a, a, you know, some more troops to help us. And she's going to be charging through the fave, but then she's going to get to that guy and just decimate him. Like right there, like I think I think she's gonna end up with like a mithril axe or something and just completely cleave him in twain, you know, right for everybody. Everything's just gonna stop. Like what the? What did you just do? I, I just, yes, I, I can imagine that's the whole fierce battle. Then one kill and everyone just stops and yeah. is kind of like, okay, everyone, time out. Quick, <laughs> well, we digest what has happened. Yeah, who's who's what and where? Okay, let's let's figure out what the heck's going on. And uh, I, I um so so we've got that subplot going on. 
Uh, we've got a romance between Hoyler and Maria Bertoli, the uh, the Italian barista. Um, we've got Althea and Trippy being friends and learning medical stuff. So maybe maybe uh, Trippy the frog is going to be like a, a a a medicine frog from her place, and her and Althea, because uh, Althea is a phlebotomist, and uh, Trippy is going to be caught up in the Coliseum, but she may be some kind of medical or whatever. Um, so I think uh, we'll have uh, we'll have interactions with her. We're going to have the general who is. Uh, gonna be running stuff. So we have we have exactly what you were saying. A whole bunch of things going on that we can we can not only follow troop movements. We can also uh, jump to places. We need to find uh, one of the um, unbound who is militarily minded to kind of hang out and watch the proceedings inside the battle tent with Tatiana and her generals um, of the battalion. I think that's going to be some some scenes that we can do. Oh, how are we gonna how are we gonna approach this and what are we gonna do and and kind of uh, building up an idea and then making um, maybe we can have like another subplot where they're thinking about using the Unbound as a testing force to see if you know how strong Oberon's forces have become or have uh, you know whatever and the Unbound are gonna kind of figure this out as they're going through it and get pissed off about it. Because one of the one of the cool things uh, that you could do and I know a lot of armies uh, throughout history have done is since you've got all of these different animal groups and metahumans and fey and creatures all kind of with their own special abilities you could um maybe uh, focus on a divide i don't want to say dividing the army up but i want to say uh, maybe tatiana goes to the the viking squalls and says uh okay uh, but basically i don't want to say uh divide the army up but maybe uh one of the things that you could do to uh maybe make the troop organization a little bit more i guess I, I don't I don't know the correct word here, but um, maybe a Tatiana. Uh, I know that she's probably going to send out scouts, or maybe uh, send out some form like the you said with the Unbound being a testing group. Maybe you could focus on like a scout party, and she could say, "Hey, all you uh, Viking squalls, go down this river because we know that I know that this used to be a big Fey fortress that was by a river. Go down the river." And see what you can find, and then we could have a couple panels focusing on the squalls as they sail in their cute, adorable little long bo- long boats, and uh, and maybe maybe run into pirates or a fey guard force that they have to take out uh, in order to prevent the, ca- the capital being warned or something of that nature. I think that's a brilliant idea. Um, uh, I don't know if she's going to come in until the last battle, though. But oh, okay. Vernon. Um, I think would be an excellent scout being able to look through animal eyes and do stuff like that. Yeah, get what I'm saying? So I think, but what I want, what I, what I think would be even better is having the interaction between, so um, a scout party, but have Vernon included into it. So like three or four Fae who are scouts. Because um, I want I want to get more into the Fae to show people that, you know, they're, they're pretty damn elite and scary people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and and yep. uh, and having Vernon interact with that, and having that idea, man, that's that's uh, another freaking way we can uh, uh, not humanize, but just get people to understand that the Fey aren't human, and and what their interactions are, and just show them in in action instead of having them as this whatever off to the side. And uh, that's man, that's that's perfect. That's gonna work mm-hmm. so well. Be- yeah, because uh, one of the things that uh, the, the ancient Roman army, especially after the Marian reforms uh, had, was basically they would have a a, a, a squad called Velites, 
and they were men who with wolf caps and javelins. Yeah. And they acted as the scouts and the advance force for the army. So what they would do is the Roman commander would say, Velides, I want you to go scout out this area that's populated by, let's say, uh, Gauls, like a Gaulish army. So the Velites would go, and since they were skirmishers, they could move fast, and they were adapting, traveling quickly. Yeah. And basically their job was to find the Gaulish army, report on their movements, and if necessary, um, use their javelins, slings, bows, etc., to kind of keep the, keep the army pinned and hold them in a position until the main army could arrive get it into battle formation and then come in and finish them off. Harry them, so yes. You could, you could theoretically have like maybe an elite group of fey or squirrels or birds or something act as maybe a, like, if, if Tatiana or Aurora or one of these characters knows, hey, we've got a, we have a fey fortress that is a, that could send a warning to the capital and prevent our massive attack from happening. She could send out a force to basically say, whatever you do, cause as much mayhem as you can and keep the enemy there and occupied until we can get there, take them out, and then stop them from giving any warning. Yeah. Because one of the, you know, one of the major problems, like, just with moving a massive army is you're moving a massive army. Like, it's really hard to hide that. So you really, like, a, an attacking commander needs to rely on we need to cause as much trouble for the defense as possible before the battle starts. Right. So that way, whenever the battle starts, they're still caught off guard. Ah, oh, man, that's so good. Okay. <laughs> no, that's... Uh, yeah, because we, we could definitely have, like, some Fae watchtowers and... Oh, man! Yes! Okay. So, um... Uh, that works so well. Ah, uh, thank you. Uh, what what other ideas you got, man? Just keep throwing them at me. That's how you. I also, I also think uh, since you do say you want to kind of humanize the Fey and make them like a, I guess elite, I want to say commando unit. If I'm reading that correctly, you kind of want to make them these powerful warriors who know what they're doing and it's their home. Oh yeah. Maybe you could uh, have them. Um, um, maybe Tati, uh, maybe uh, Tatiana or Aurora, one of the generals, could uh, be sending out Vonin with a group of Fey, and maybe an Unbound or another commander can say, uh, oh, uh, Vonin and six Fey are going into an area that is basically, let's say, a Fey watchtower that is heavily militarily guarded. Yeah. And wh why are you sending in so few? I mean, we can't send in an assault force, but you can surely send in more. And I imagine Tatiana just staring at the guy and going, the Fey are more. Like, yeah. Six Fey are more than enough to take on a regular army. <laughs> well, that's the other so thing. Definitely... Well, that's one of the things I want to get across to people is this magic is kind of like operating computer. Yes, computer can do all these amazing things, but you can't just uh, jump on a, buy a computer and all of a sudden be a hacker. You know what I mean? You have to know what you're doing with the computer in order to do it. It's the same with the magic. In order to do certain things, you have to know um, the physiology, the blood types, da-da-da-da-da. You have to be able to control and understand what you're controlling in order to control it. Um, and that, and in that way, these Fey, they could be very specialized in causing mayhem, sappers, you know, destroying buildings, yes. um, explosives, you know, torturing people, whatever. Um, but the point is, yes, uh, super elite uh, scouting group that that is well versed in, in causing mayhem. I man, that's going to be exciting. 
Yep. And I think uh, the Fae, kind of the way that you're describing them, and I'm going to show off my node, uh, node card here. Do it. <laughs> but the Fae uh, really remind me of Jedi in Star Wars. They remind me of Jedi who are able to use the Force, use a lightsaber, because a lightsaber is basically a glowing sword. Anyone can pick up a lightsaber. There are uh, dozens of Force-sensitive characters, droids, heroes in the Star Wars universe who aren't Jedi or Sith. They just have the ability to touch the Force and feel it. Yeah. And yet, um, and yet, uh, you still, and yet, in order to be a Jedi, you have to be actively trained in how to use a lightsaber, how to use the Force, how to really do a deeper connection with it. So, kind of as you said, you can buy, I can buy a computer, I can pick up a lightsaber, but that doesn't mean that I know how to use it effectively. Yeah. And I think uh, I think you can really look at Star Wars and look at how 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 did they make the Jedi so powerful? How is one Jedi worth an army of regular clones or militia or troops? And maybe tie in, tie in like, what did George Lucas or what did all these Star Wars writers do to make the Jedi so, so fantastic and so out of everyone's league, well, they... even with such few numbers? And I think uh, one of the main uh, ways that we kind of got to see how powerful the Jedi were, were um, and they were also humanized, was uh, during the Battle of Geonosis at uh, during Attack of the Clones. Where the about uh, in the lore, about 200 Jedi showed up to rescue Obi Wan, Anakin, and Padme, and uh, they held off a army of thousands of droids, hostile Geonosians, uh, Jango Fett, who was a very proficient bounty hunter, and even though by the end of the fighting there were maybe 20 or 30 of the original 200 Jedi left, it was a massive. Uh, loss for the Jedi Order, they were still able to hold out reasonably well against an army that was 10 or 12 times their size. Yeah. So I think what you could maybe parody that and have, like, maybe have the Fae Regiment, maybe, I don't know, they go out scouting, or they get sent on a secret mission, and they get ambushed by an army that is larger than they are, and they kind of have to, they, they realize, like, oh, if, uh, if any of these troops get away or if they locate our position, our surprise attack is doomed. Yeah. So they kind of have to pull a, uh, maybe a kind of basically leave no one alive, even though those, though that mass massively outnumbered. And you could have that fight and kind of show like the Fae are able to use their magic to the fullest and hold off an army that is stronger than they are. Um, and that, I think that would not only help, show how powerful they are, but also humanize them, because you're going to see Faye suffer and die and potentially get overwhelmed at some points by this horde of enemies, and yet they still continue fighting because they don't have a choice. Yes. Yeah. No, man. Uh, uh, we can, in fact, uh, we can do that with that scouting thing with Vernon, so, like, they can go to the, uh, they can go to that scout tower thinking it's just maybe manned by one or two people, and, uh, and maybe, uh, uh, like, Oberon has you know, uh, got word of what was going on and sent a bit more than one or two people. And and that situation arises there. Don't let anybody come out of there alive. And they find out that there's more people than they really should have been dealing with. And they have to go through and annihilate everything. Yes. <laughs> I think that yes. that's cool. That's such a, that's such a neat scenario. Um, I'm going to have to go and look at maps more too and see 
um, what those areas are. But we're we're basically dealing with, uh, in fact, what you were talking about, a lot of the uh, the crusade areas right there above the uh, the, the inland seas there. Um, I I could be completely wrong, so I'm going to stop talking about history because I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, one more quick uh, scenario that we could do to kind of show how powerful the Fae are is, um, are, are you familiar with the Battle of Thermopylae? 300 Spartans? Oh, uh, the 300, the movie? Um, yes, that? it's it? terribly historically inaccurate, but a good movie. Uh, but basically, for a quick two-minute rundown, the uh, Persian army of uh, Xerxes was attempting to cross into Greece, uh, and the Greece city-states uh, devised a plan to stop him by putting their forces at Thermopylae. And Thermopylae was basically a gigantic canyon. And the and the Persians had the numbers. Like, there were millions, because the Persians had conquered all of Asia and India at this time. So there were millions of men that they could draw upon. Yeah. And the Greeks were massively outnumbered. But they knew that with their battle tactics, which was basically stand in a wall with large spears and basically form a large pointy wall <laughs> to keep the enemy out, they knew that the narrow pass of Thermopylae would cancel out the Persian numbers and give them a chance. So 300 Spartans, led by the King Leonidas, as well as a sizable Greek army, marched to Thermopylae. Xerxes attacked, and after several days of intense fighting, he realized that he couldn't even break the Greek line. He couldn't defeat the Spartan army. And even uh, there were even reports of some of his troops being scaled to take on the Spartans because they knew that they were just going into a meat grinder. That's pretty much what that battle was. Um, and basically, the Spartans and the Greek army of a couple thousand men fought a heroic delaying action until the Greek navy could come and uh, help help them uh, basically sick. stop the Persians from landing troops. Now, eventually, what it, what had happened is after a couple of days of fighting, a Greek, a Greek trader uh, named Ephialtes went to the Persians and said, hey, I'm a shepherd in Thermopylae, and I know of a secret path behind the Spartan lines where the army can come behind the Spartans and overwhelm them and basically crush them with sheer numbers. The Spartans got wind of, the, wind of this plot and sent the entire Greek army oh, – not the entire, but they sent most of the Greek army away. A few of their men uh, still stayed behind to fight. And basically, uh, King Leonidas said to the, I think it was 1,500 Greeks who were remaining, said, go uh, to the other end of the canyon where the Persians are coming and hold them off as long as you can. The Greek army did so, um, was eventually routed and forced to flee. Yeah. And then the 300 Spartans and the uh, stable boys and some other, other Greek uh, soldiers who wanted to stay and fight basically fought to hold the Persians off as long as possible. They eventually failed, but they did manage to get most of the Greek army away, and then the Greeks counterattacked and uh, completely obliterated the Persian force. Oh, wow. So basically the point of that whole story is maybe a – one of the scenarios uh, that the Pos uh, that the not the Persians that the Fey elite force could have is a delaying action. Well, maybe uh maybe they maybe they uh maybe like there's a there's a battlefield where the 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 enemy Oberon's army is, and uh, maybe Tatiana's army either hasn't arrived or hasn't gotten set up yet. 
but all of the this Fey regiment, since they're faster, let's say they're faster than the whole army, they maybe go there first and have to basically fight the army themselves until Tatiana's reinforcements can show up. And you can have a bit of a last stand uh, type of battle where oh. it's a delaying action because those are often in history and video games and comics, those are really the do-or-die moments because you're not fighting to win. You are fighting to survive and hold the enemy off as long as you can until reinforcements show up, and then you can... Then it becomes a battle. Oh, man, and we could really get some of those those scouts as, like, war heroes and get people really invested in those... Um, and a few of the Fey. That's freaking cool, dude. Because everyone remembers the 300 Spartans, and it's because of the last stand. So you could do the same thing with the Fey and really have them, like, because I imagine that if, if they come back and they say, hey, there's, there were 500 of us, and now there's 200 of us, but we held off the enemy army for three hours, I mean, those those surviving Fey are going to be basically gods. They're going to be elevated, and they, they could be a good boost for morale. They could really be... Uh, I, got, I can even see regiments maybe fighting to be like, hey, I want I want to charge in with the Fey. I yeah. want to be with the Fey, etc. So I think uh, you could do a lot with them. Oh, man, that's gonna be so good. Yeah. <laughs> man. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts on the the commander of this of this Fey of this battalion of this uh, Fey army, or at least what's left of it? Well, I'd imagine, because um, I, I really see that Fey army, uh, again, going back to ancient Rome, as uh, extremely loyal to the queen, extremely yes. loyal to Queen Tatiana. Because um, in, in ancient Roman times, especially during the um, uh, the era where there were so many different emperors, uh, there was a main problem with the Roman army, where they would become more loyal to their generals than they would to the emperor. Yeah. So whenever the general said, hey, I bet I could take over Rome the troops would say, yeah, you can, because we're loyal to you. We don't care about some old man sitting on the throne. So yeah. I can see maybe the commander of the Fey Battalion has been in hiding. Oh, no, that's idea? that's beautiful. Yeah, we can get her, because they're, they're on an island, right, uh, off, of, uh, off of Italy. So we can get her going there saying, hey, my people, let's follow me. And they're like, no, I don't think so. Because they are, they're more loyal to, and then we'll, we're gonna use this general, and he's he's the one that's gonna tell everybody, hey, it's time to pack up and go. We need to reunite the Fey and get this stuff done, and he's the one that's gonna, dude, that's awesome. So we, ah, yes, yes, okay, and, I mean, and you could probably, and you could probably do a lot with the Fey on the island because, yeah, imagine how they survive. You could talk about maybe. Uh, differences in their daily lives or their culture because they are basically stuck on this island. Maybe they've had to fight pirates, or maybe they've had to deal with some hostile fauna on the island that's made them tougher. Um, maybe, maybe even a few of them have lost hope in like a queen was supposed to be here and she yeah. wasn't, and she's left us here on this island surrounded by crap. And then it's the general who comes in, gives a massive speech, and basically says. Guys, I'm willing to follow this queen, but don't follow the queen. Follow me. Yeah. Well, I'm well, I'm not asking you to follow the queen. I'm asking you to follow me as I follow the queen. <laughs> Thanks, man. That's awesome. And that, ah, oh, yes. Okay. And that way, oh, God. 
Ah, uh, that's such a relief. I need it because I've been looking for a dude. I should have just had you on here a while ago. That's awesome. I'm all good. <laughs> I, and I really, because uh, one of the things that I love uh, writing, uh, seeing, and uh, experiencing in games, books, and movies is uh, speeches. Yeah. I love pre-battle, post-battle speeches. I really think you can do a lot with that general. Maybe appealing to the faith pride. Maybe saying, uh, we will put on this island uh, for our queen, and she needs our help now. Yeah. I don't care how long it's been. I mean, you guys know that 200 years in Fey time is like a snap of a finger. It's not that long if you think about it. Um, and just him really motivating his troops and getting them cheering and getting them saying, we're going to get off this island. We're going to unite the Fey, and we're going we're gonna to bring the Fey back to what it was whenever Queen Tatiana ruled in its hand. Yeah, yeah. You well, do a lot of inspiring stuff with that general. Oh, that's going to be sick. Well, <clears throat> the, the other thing is, too, what's happened here, because only recently have they been turned from crows. So they've been two, three hundred years as crows on this island. Or not crows, ravens, excuse me. So they've been living as birds on this island. I mean, and, and, and just recently over the last, I, I'd probably say, you know, six months, maybe a year since she's been undone, um, that they've been, you know, re re back to faith. So they're probably still like kind of like going, <laughs> um, but they, um, you know, they have magic and stuff. So they they probably res uh, erected structures and built themselves a nice little shanty town or whatever. And uh, I I don't know. I want this general to be doing something where you walk in and and you're like, you know, look at the bar. I want him to be a bartender. And I don't know why, but that's what I see him as. Oh, is, a, is the freaking yeah. bartender. You know what I mean? And just go yes. and just like he's got like a scar down his eye or whatever, and he looks you know freaking gnarly. Yeah, I remember back in the day. Da 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 da. da. <laughs> you know, I I I think it'd be cool as heck. Um, and I and I think I think uh, one of the like if I were if I were writing this, one of the scenarios I would do is maybe have the queen come to him for help as as he and as he's wiping down tables and kind of. She's maybe saying, "Is this what you want your life to be? Do you just want to be scrubbing tables and and only only living the glory days, you know, memories? Do you want to have it happen now?" And she's basically looking at all these Fey who are disheartened and angry and upset with her. And I'm pretty sure one of them is going to say, "My brother was a crow and he got eaten. That's that never happened when we were Fey." Like, <laughs> Tigers ate us. Like, don't worry, we we played on the tigers. This time they played on us, and I can see some humor there. But I I really can see maybe Tatiana. They breaded and fried him. I watched. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, do you know? Like, there were there were uh, there were a thousand of us, and now there's five hundred. Oh, yeah. what happened? We were close. What do you think happened? We couldn't. You know how you know how weak those talons were. Do you know how many predators crows have? <laughs> but uh, I will, I really could see Tatiana just kind of begging for this general's help, and then he he's still think not he's conflicting like his loyalties to his to his queen versus the life that he's made for his men. Yeah. And then as she's leaving, maybe he she hears a rustle. And the barkeep door opens, and the Fey general is just in his armor, and all cleaned up, all in his old armor, and just walks out and says, I'll follow you, and his people follow too. And then we have the speech, and it's just... Yeah. I, that's how I would do it. Dude. That's how I would do it. Dude, that's, that's, uh, that's magnificent. <laughs> 
and I'll, and and um and then using some of the uh the unbound uh, to go with the scouting group and maybe maybe the scouting group goes all right you know Vernon and whoever else you you came with us you're not going to be able to help us at this point I need you to go back and tell Tanya Tatiana what's going on and we're going to do this delaying move, uh, movement here and we're going to make sure that they don't get past us but there's only six of you yeah I know it's going to be tough for them you know what I mean. And, yeah. It, I mean, it's still going to be daunting, I, and we're still going to kill off a bunch of that that scouting group. But dude, that's going to be so sick, and we're going to get and we're going to get to know that that scouting group, and they're going to maybe one of the unbound stays with. Um, yeah, so we send that's like what one I was or two. Yeah, and so like they, so the they kind of get this newfound like respect for like, oh man, yeah, you know the the humans, the unbound, they're not so uh, they're not so weak. They, they stuck with us during this whole thing, and and you know yeah. whatever. And I will. I will. I really think because uh, I mean the armies will probably all follow and Tatiana and they'll follow and quote dream, but I'd imagine that they probably don't have that much respect for one another. Yeah. Maybe you could have the history of like oh the squirrels and the bears used to be at war, or the drunk drunk uh, dragon creature managed to uh, burn down a bunch of trees that the frogs loved, and you have all these past animosities, and really all the all that's been holding them together. To this point, it's just Tatiana's dream and maybe Hot Iron Will and maybe the Fae acting as kind of buffos between the armies. Yeah. But once they get into battle together and they start – like maybe the regiments start mixing and yeah. they end up saving each other's lives or just having to work together and they get that battle bond of, hey, you're not as bad as I thought you were, so let's go kick some butt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, definitely uh, – yeah. Again, uh, going back to the Crusades, you would have uh, all these separate armies, but once they got into a battle, they were just the Christian horde. They were the Christian army. Like they were, they weren't Dutch or France or Polish or anything. Yep. And you you could and there were ev- there were reports of enemies like France and England fighting together, working together, <laughs> and having friendships that carried over into uh, the rest of their lives. Oh wow! Yeah. So, and that can that can open up a new a new type of trade and do new, new stuff uh, within the the uh, the shadow summit and all that other stuff too. I mean, it it definitely opens some doors and some things that are going to happen, um, and and it's fantastic. Uh, and, and one of the issues is is uh, what other type of animals do you think we should have on uh, as a because all we have right now is the dragon Sarog, and uh, the unbound and the fey. We really don't have. We haven't mustered any other forces, um, and one of the reasons I've ran into that is because because I really don't know the creature makeup of what's over in Europe, and I guess it doesn't really matter. This is our universe; we can no, do what we it, want. It's it's magic. You can you can play with it and have right. different reasons for a polar bear to be in Europe. Well, you know what? Uh, we can get a. Tr- uh, I think we'll have a, a, a troop of Viking squirrels, um, and that way, when uh, when Aurora shows up later, um, they'll kind of absorb hers in there or not. I don't know. We'll see what works with that. But maybe they'll think it's part of theirs, but it turns out it's not. Um, but that'll be that'll be some interesting uh, makeup. Or maybe the Vikings are like those aren't our squirrels. Those aren't our guys, and we don't know what they're doing. But they're not with us, and they're being crazy. Something's something's off with them. Oh, that's why. Because Aurora's ability is a bubble, so every everything around her affects her, and it's kind of like an emotional thing. So if like she's afraid, everybody else is like experiencing stuff that with her fear. Like it's completely dark and scary. Or if she's angry, she blows stuff up. Well, after she takes this wine, she's kind of like I said, Harlequin-esque. You know, very happy, bubbly, but just crazy and you know, drunk all the time. Yes. 
well, everybody's going to feel that. So that troop of squirrels is going to fall in with her, and they're going to treat her like some kind of Valkyrie goddess type of deal. You know what I'm saying? Because she's transmitting all that stuff, and they're feeling like they've been, just gotten done raiding all the time. Like they've always got that high going on. They're like, this is awesome. We're going to keep her forever. And they're just going to be like just a crazy troop of Viking squirrels following this. And she's going to be all dressed up in like some crazy-ass armor. And, I, and, I, and you just... And you just hear drunken singing from the school regiment. It's like, yeah, they're still there. They're doing their tavern songs for the 50th fucking time. <laughs> yes! God, 45 even... bottles of meat on the wall. 45 <laughs> bottles of meat. Take one down, pass it around. 44 bottles of meat on the wall. Hey! <laughs> it's going to be even better. They're like, well, where's the alcohol? They don't have any alcohol. What is going on here? <laughs> Oh man! So uh, we'll have we'll have a troop of squirrels, and I think they're gonna pull those at the Shadow Summit too. Um, and I think they might pull up a regiment of, of frogs from the uh, from the French um, frog section, and uh, and maybe we might uh, conscript some. Uh, uh, Sarah came up with these. Um, basically, they're half deer, half human, and so they've got the uh, set of sat- antlers. Yeah. So um, what happens is set. set- Satyrs. Yeah, yes. but those are usually goat bottoms. Satyrs. Oh, yeah, satyrs are goat bottoms. Sorry. Yeah, well, well, it's the same. It's the same family, though. Same idea. Same concept. Um, so what happens is the males of this group are sitting there one, like two weeks out of the year. They go absolutely nuts, and they have like their alpha dominant season just before mating season type of deal, right? But the rest of the year they're broing out and lifting weights and like doing log press. Yeah, bro. Dude, your biceps are looking mean, you know, and and growing out until that two weeks hits. Well, during that two weeks, the the females of the clan would usually go out and do something else so they wouldn't get caught up in the festivities of whatever. But they found, because they're near the shadow demarcation, they found all these people who buy and sell meat and whatever. So these these vixen, and Sarah wanted to do like a play on you know, a juxtaposition of, you know, the deer hunting people. They're going to go out and hunt things to sell at the, uh, at the, uh, shadow, uh, shadow summit. I like that. So they're going to be like a hunting, like a crazy hunting troop of, of, uh, of, of satyrs just, but they're going to look all pretty and doish and they're going to, they're going to lure men in like, Oh, come to us. And you know, and then Argh! like just be all fierce. <laughs> Oh, that'd be terrifying. <laughs> yeah, so we might get a conscription of them joining up, and then you know, um, so we've got some. Uh, I think we've got some neat stuff, but I, um, your your general think, has been worked out. That's awesome. What's up? I think uh, uh, one one thing uh, for the animal army. Um, have you ever read uh, Red Wall by Brian Jack? Brian Jacuzzi? Yes, I have read all of yes. them. Watership yes. down. Um, oh, I love I love that series. I've read them all too. But uh, one of the things that I really liked uh, with his armies that he had is they all had the animals all had a different purpose in fighting. Well, the squirrels would generally be the archers, the javelin uh, creatures, the skirmishers who were up in the trees. Yeah. Mice would be more of a like a militia. The long patrol of hares were more of the Spartan-esque uh, oh, battle yeah. force. So I think um, whenever you're coming up with animal uh, animal armies, think about like um, what what purpose will they serve for for the army? So for example, if you have uh, like your satyrs and the the doe people, they are uh, I can see them being hunters, being kind of the like let's draw people in with our doe eyes and then yeah. kill them. 
Um, if you have an army of Bayos, I can see them being tank, tank-like units, so yeah. being the heavy, heavy ordnance, or maybe being mounts. If you have a, an army of horses, maybe they uh, they can get on four legs and be kind of cavalry. Yeah. So I think uh, as you're thinking about these animal groups, really take a look and see what what, what type of uh, what purpose will they serve in the army? Because every army needs heavy infantry, light infantry, cavalry, uh, scouting units, uh, siege weapons, air support. So I think that may help uh, as you figure out, oh, what are all these animal armies doing? Then you can figure out, okay, how do they fit into this larger force? Well, not only that, because once I figured out kind of what I need, we can figure out what we need to send Tatiana after, which will make mm -hmm. things a lot easier in that direction. So we, we're definitely going to – because um, the Raven Isles, there's going to be two or three Raven Isles. They're going to give the, the Fae a home, basically, and that's where the Fae end up with one of these islands because the Ravens mm -hmm. kind of give them a sanctuary. Um, so, and they're probably going to conscript some, some Ravens as either winged mounts or whatever, or they don't need mounts, they can fly, but either way, just, um, the Ravens are pretty big themselves. Um, maybe they could be mounts for the other forces in the army. Oh yeah. Like, Man, like, uh, all, the yeah, unbound. Don't, yeah. don't, yeah, don't be afraid to combine your forces or mix regiments. Maybe, oh, squirrels, maybe Tatiana yeah. even decides to do that and say, Hey, you bears and you fogs who hate one another, you well, now all your regiments are going to be half bear, half frogs. You guys are going to learn to work together. Yeah, a whole bunch of frogs like on top of the bear, and then doing, oh, yeah, like like, horrible. yeah, and then there's all of a sudden it's just raining frogs, yes. <laughs> and just plopping down, swallowing Faye. <laughs> uh, then I can uh, definitely see how the crows being mounts for the unbound, or maybe for archers. You can have squirrels, kind of. Squall archers are able to really file into the back of the Fey army, maybe targeting uh, generals or heavy, yes. heavy uh, weapons or magic users that the Fey have, kind of hitting the back of the army. Uh, so you can definitely do a lot with that. Okay, so I know we can find the squirrels at the, the Shadow Demarcation. Um, uh, a troop of bears would be fairly... I think we'd only find like three or four of those. I don't think they run in packs very much. I think they're more solitary creatures. But I think inside the Shadow Summit, we could definitely find a small group willing to, to be conscripted in and, and mercenary for this group and act as, you know... And then, and then on the way back from France, we're going to run back into the frogs, and I think we're going to get something's going to happen, and we're going to we're going to uh, get a large uh, portion of army from them too. Um, and and then I like the idea of the of, of making the bears and the frogs work together because having those frogs all of a sudden rain down off the bears from safety, and then and then you know surprise attacks, lay low, lay low. That's I mean that'll be a neat. <laughs> Some neat interactions. We'll have uh, squirrels riding ravens. We'll have frogs riding bears. Um, <laughs> we're just gonna have all kinds of crazy stuff coming off here, and that's man. That's a, yes, yes. Our battle scenes are gonna be epic. Yes, it will. <laughs> and and especially kind of once you have that army put together and you know what what each purpose of the of the group of soldiers is, uh, you can definitely write the battle scenes easier. Yeah. And know like, hey, the heavy the heavy bears who are the the heavy weapons with the frogs, they're going to go in the middle. Squirrels are going to be on the flanks and up top. Um, an army of moles is going to be digging down underneath the army, attempting to cause pits and maybe be sappos. I don't know. Yeah. So I think uh, the the the, the Seto people are just going to wander around looking innocent until an army decides to – someone decides to help them and they get shanked. Um, just a <laughs> lot. You can do a lot with that. 
Ugh. And that's what it was. Okay, so the other portion I was having an issue was, where the heck are we going to have this battle? Um, and it's probably going to end up on, on the uh, the Still Seas. But the issue was, is the Still Seas is this giant desert of sapphire, and if the winds kick up and create a dust storm, it kills people, because it just shreds them. I mean, flying flying shredded diamonds is not fun. It does great you to death. Yes, that's but a, I forget... The, the king and the queen are the operators of this kingdom. They're the ones that, that say, okay, the portal turns on, the portal turns off. They control the, the outer perimeters of this thing, too. Okay. So Tatiana's going to come back and say, okay, this is going to be our field of battle. No windstorms today. <laughs> so she's going to provide safe passage for her army through the Still Seas. So it might be before the Still Seas or after, but at least I know um, that we can get them um, through the Still Seas with Tatiana's help. Um, which is going to be awesome. And one of the one of the uh, tactical ideas that I'm I'm kind of seeing is if is if uh, Oban's enemy army knows like oh Tatiana is going to provide them protection. Yeah. Maybe he could send in like an assassination force or a force of uh, wizards who might be who might try to disrupt her uh, her oh. control over the seas because. I mean, I, I'd imagine if, if you have a massive army going through this canyon and they're expecting safe passage, yeah, and all of a sudden the safety turns off, that's a massive blow to the enemy army. So I can imagine Oberon going, I'll sacrifice a couple scouts or wizards uh, just to take out Tatiana and potentially stop her insurrection before it even begins. Yeah, well, and what a, I mean, at the very least, it'll cause her to fully concentrate on keeping that that mechanism off. You know what I mean? It'd at least take her out of the battle because she's quite powerful. Um, so yes. those, you know, those six wizards would definitely be worth, you know, Tatiana going, you know, sitting there just trying to focus on keeping the winds off, mm-hmm. which is that, yep. uh, which can, you know, uh, uh, we, we can cause some issues there where we have somebody else has to go and either take out the wizards or do whatever, and then so they can so, free her up. Yeah. So those uh, definitely, I, th- I think that's. I mean, if I were an enemy army, that's what I would probably do is I would attempt to make the environment work for me, which yeah. is what generals do throughout history. So I think you could have a really cool skirmish um, in the shifting sands, and then maybe Oberon's army is waiting, and they're already prepared at the exit point. Yeah. And so Tatiana's army kind of has to form up and really fight off this ambush. Right then and there, yeah, and deal with not only – yeah, oh, man. Yeah, because she could be dealing with stuff, so maybe the sands are kind of kicking up here and there. Because she's not able to fully do whatever, and 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 uh, Oberon knows, so he sets up either in the in the in the you know the fog of battle areas. So when uh, Tatiana's over here, but he's coming in from the side, if that makes any sense. It almost, it, yeah, it almost reminds me of uh, one more history uh, question. Oh, aside here, but uh, the Battle of the Tudorburg Forest, where basically an army of Germanic tribes ambushed a Roman uh, Roman army as they were walking through this. Thick, thick, uh, thick forested area. Like yeah. there were trees every two or three meters. Oh, and basically, what what the Germans would do is the Roman army was attempting to keep kind of an orderly march to get to a clearing on the other end of the forest. And what these German tribesmen would do, because they knew the trees so well, is they would charge um, from the side, from the back, with their infantry and their axes, and they'd basically fight the Romans. And because the Romans were were basically attempting to move through the forest as quickly as possible, they had to stop, fight, and 
and whenever it looked like the Romans were going to actually beat back the attack, the tribesmen fled. Yeah. And then the Romans started moving again, and then they were ambushed, and then it just kept going, and eventually it got to the point where the Romans were massacred, and standards were lost, and it was it was uh, one of the biggest defeats for the Roman army, and there was barely even a pitched battle. It was just ambushes happening every five minutes, and the Romans couldn't doing couldn't stand. Yeah, they couldn't stand there and force the battle in the force because they were massively outnumbered and the trees were being a, being a detriment. So yeah. they had to get to that clearing and they just <laughs> kept getting ambushed. And then, actually, by the time that they broke through the clearing, there was the rest of the German army on the other side. Oh. And they just charged the exhausted Romans and finished them off. So you could have a very similar... Where um, they could be firing through the dust and stuff? Yeah. Yes. Well, basically, Tatiana's whole goal is we need to keep this army moving because I can't hold back the sands forever. Yeah. And Oberon's goal is cause havoc, take out Tatiana if we can, and then her entire army gets shredded by the sands, and then basically get her forces to be exhausted, demoralized, um, disappear. Maybe they disappear, or uh, not disappear, maybe they get separated, or the regiments get a little uh, spread out. Yeah. So by the time that they get to the exit point, well, they'll easy play for the Fey army on the other side. Yes, man, that's 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 gonna be awesome. Because I think what she's gonna be doing is riding inside uh, the engineer's uh, 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 deuce, the, his two-ton truck, the one with the. Uh, did you did uh, did you do you know about that guy yet? That we have a the Japanese engineer. Uh, yes, I believe you've spoken about him a little bit. I didn't Excellent. know he had a truck though. Yeah, well, he's got a truck with a half a Gundam on it. And it pops oh, up when he wants oh. to go into battle. <laughs> That's awesome. It's going to be sick. Well, I think she's going to ride in that thing. So she's going to be kind of safe from stuff and able to keep mobile, even though she's concentrating on what's going on. Um, and so that way we can have a way to keep her safe. That's a good strategic uh, point. Yeah. Um, and that way we can kind of keep some of the unbound kind of close to her and make it sure at least uh, you know a few of them survive. <laughs> um, and then uh, the... They can get harried. They can meet, and then um, then we can meet. Maybe there's ruins or something, and they can meet and fight and have the final pitched battle inside the Fake Kingdom itself. Because um, there's been an issue too that Oberon's been having um, that he hasn't known about, because the Fey is kind of like a recycling facility. Fey will die and get put up there and come out and put up there. Well, Oberon's severely depleted the numbers with the. Uh, with the fingernail trolls. He kicked out a, a huge regiment there. He's severely depleted with the ravens. And now all of a sudden he's not having that mixture come back in. And his people are like, they don't have the the full potential of what the face should be. They have, you know, the remnants of what's left. and Because and, the face the still have to keep up their numbers and what they're doing. <clears throat> so it's continually pumping out. But, you know, all the stuff's not being recycled in anymore. Their experiences yes. and all the other stuff. So now we have like a bunch of Faye who either don't know what their jobs are or don't, you know what I mean? It's not going to be as well, strong. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why Oberon goes, look, we need to bring them back together. This is not working. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. he's going to see, he's going to go, and that's going to be one of the reasons, and he will. he should have won this battle just by superior numbers and what's going on. But since his Faye weren't up to par, and he's going to have to do these hairy tactics and then meet here, and then him and uh, Tatiana are going to meet up and basically fight to a standstill, fall in love, join armies, everybody's happy. 
And then uh, everybody gets paid, hopefully. By yes, yeah. Uh, and that's that's a whole other problem. Uh, that's a whole other story arc of hey, we getting paid. Um, yeah. That's a whole other uh, story arc there. Yeah, especially um, with the 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 frogs, the bears, the dragon, the squirrels. I mean, there's just neat things we can do with it. Um, and they're, they're fey. They shouldn't have a, too much of a problem paying stuff off unless they're just a bunch of elitist jerks. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, maybe some of them are, and that's how that's kind of the negotiating tactic. With Tatiana's like, hey, I, I need to come back, but I need to pay this army. No, you don't. You just need to come back. And I can see a big uh, kind of political like aftermath of the fighting, basically, while trying to get everyone paid and back home and all this. Yeah, kerfuffle. Um, but I definitely... But I definitely uh, see, like you said, a lot of Oberon's tactics being more of Harry, being more of uh, using the environment to fight for him, because he's got the larger army, yeah. but they're not as... They're uh, not where they should be. They have better quantity than quality. Yeah. Well, Tatiana may have a smaller, more diverse army, but they are hardened warriors. They are... Yep, from the, the Raven Wars. And... Exactly. Yes. From the War of the Wings and everything else, and the, and the wars before that. Um, yeah, most definitely. I, this, I think it's going to be that it's going to be neat to pitch out and figure out. Um, and again, there were a lot of historical uh, historical armies where you had a larger um, quantity of troops and a smaller quantity of fighting fighting together, and, and just going into the general's mindset and seeing how are we going to use what we have and deal with what we don't. Yeah, yeah. So it's very there's a lot of uh, stuff that you can draw from to get. But you get both of the battle tactics in order. Man, it's gonna be so bad because if, if any of those people like survive, like can you imagine? Like you, you've just been decimated by this group of six fey who have like held you off, destroyed most of your army, but you like maybe like you and a couple of your buddies escape. But at the end of the day, all of a sudden, uh, you know, your king and her their queen are like all happy go lucky, and you got to meet up with these these six elite warriors who just decimated your unit. Hey. How's Bob? Bob's dead, jerk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, I, the... Can, I can definitely see a lot of political problems with the fan, oh. with maybe some of them, with maybe some of them thinking they're back together. I mean, come on, we fought a war. Like somebody needs to win, and nobody is winning here. Like, well, I'm thinking about jobs maybe, too. Maybe, maybe there's some radical groups of fae who are oh. going. Hey, uh, we 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 we're not going to spill all this blood for nothing. Uh, the king is going to win, or the queen is going to win, and the other has to die. Yeah, something. I mean, and think also think about because uh, the the fey uh, the jobs have been filled, and now you've got all these other fey who have used to either having certain jobs or doing certain things, and all of a sudden they're coming in, and all these other fey have taken over what their positions are, or live in their houses now, or you know what I mean. They've yes. taken over their lives and they're thinking, well, 300 years, I'm going to get what I, mine back, you know, and they, they're coming back to whole, you know, whole households that have been filled and completed and done and whatever. I, there's so much intrigue and stuff we're going to be able to fill in and, and, and do with that. I think it's going to be fun. Um, intrigue, crime, um, yeah. political backstabbing. Just the, those are, yeah, I agree with you. There's a ton of cool stuff. And maybe, maybe since the Fey need a certain amount of numbers, and now there's a there's an influx of Fey. There's too many Fey, and they need to kill them off and put some back up. Maybe the crime rate and the and and general dissatisfaction soars because of that, so they can kill each other until they have enough, and then everybody's happy. <laughs> but there's also there's also something else in the and a lot of lore and stuff. There's a 
<clears throat> there's a split between the light and the dark fae. Um, and they live on opposite sides of the world, and they come together once a year. Um, but they, they sometimes they're together, and sometimes they're split apart. So this might be the section where they split into the, the, the light and the dark thing, and where that split uh, happens this time, this iteration around. I'd like, I'd like that. Uh, that would be where they, where they cool to have like the Fae kind of go, or the Fae who are basically, I want to say, outcast. And they're like, yeah. hey, our jobs, our homes, our families have all moved on. What do we have here? Other than loyalty, or other than the fact that hey, we the the war that we just fought was for nothing. I can imagine them kind of maybe becoming bitter and just be like, okay, we're gonna be the dog fae. That's where the schism happens. Yes, well, and see, and that's and, and it's a pattern though. It happens once every millennia, or what? And but it's a Scottish lore too, or 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 a Celtic lore that all this happens. And I think it would be neat. We can tie this in with and and have that like a reactionary uh, to the to this war and everything that's gone off this schism. Yeah, because uh, in once again in Star Wars, uh, whenever the Sith first uh, appeared in in galactic history, they were actually exiled Jedi, <laughs> because uh, the planet of uh, I can't remember the name and I don't want to look it up. But there was an ancient planet where basically the Force was born, and there were people who be who became the first Force wielders. Yeah, some of them. Some of them went with the light, others went with the dark. There was a war. The dark siders were exiled to the planet of Korriban. They uh, met with the natives, intermingled with them, and, and kind of made them slaves and servants and had, had mixed babies and all that stuff. And those eventually became the first true Sith. Ah. And then they built up an army out of the fractured Republic and basically said, let's go defeat the Jedi who exiled us. So maybe the Fae have that same bitterness of of we we've been cheated out of X many years of our lives because yeah. of them or because of this person or because of whatever. Yeah. You could have uh, the light and the dark Fae uh, really form because of that. <gasps> That's brilliant, man. That's cool. Man, got so much here now. <laughs> Holy crud. We uh I don't even know what to say, man. You did a really good job. Thank you. Uh, well, I just uh, do a lot of node stuff in my spare time, so it all kind of kind of comes back. All right. Uh, once again, Mr. Trevor, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to coming back again. And uh, a special announcement to all of the listeners of this podcast. Um, basically, uh, I have I am going to have uh, my website, my first freelance website, up and running. Uh, sometime next week, it will be on the Stoic Tales Twitter. Um, I think Mr. Trevor is going to retweet my tweet. It will also be on my Twitter, at Barassa Brady, if you would like to follow me there. And basically what that website is, is it's going to hold my blog entries, my articles. You will be able to hire me to work on short stories. And if you like the way that I can bring in history and Star Wars and superheroes, two stories uh that is some that is a job that i'm going to be able to be hired for you will be able to hire me for one hour and uh, we will basically discuss any story ideas that you have very similar to what we do on the stoic tales podcast so if you are interested in doing that the link will be up next week once i figure out a domain name the link will be up you'll be able to hire me follow me contact my email list and uh learn more about both the personal and professional sides of brady Barassa. so i hope to see you there congratulations man and check it out people his stuff is awesome as you've heard he's uh he's amazingly detailed and and and, and brilliant so you have been listening to story arc i'm trevor sutton 
If you like the show, please subscribe. Check out our website at fayrealms.com where you can find updates, artwork, and current progress on the graphic novel. If you want to contribute ideas to our story, click the link at the bottom of the page and email us. If your ideas are chosen, they will be featured and you will be credited on the show. Thanks.